Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire Podcast proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. I am your host. This is the Browns Critical Questions Week 15 edition of the show with the terrific Quincy Carrier joining me for the second time here on the show. Uh, you can follow Quincy on Twitter at Quincy, K-W-E-N underscore C, and make sure you turn into all of his YouTube videos at Quincy Carrier on YouTube. What's up, Quincy? How we doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. How, how are you doing? I am maintaining. Uh, four weeks <laughs> to go here, right? Like, it's, it's tough, you know, tough time to be a Browns fan, but there are things to, uh, there are things percolating, and, uh, you know, hey it's man, just, we could always be Houston. You know what I mean? We like, could always <laughs> be Houston. Yeah, we've been there before, so uh, I can't I can't complain about that. Uh, at least we had, you know, we have Deshaun to watch for four weeks, which is nice. Yes, we'll get to some of that. Uh, I want to start today as we were laughing kind of off of air. I don't. I would. I would attempt to read it to folks who haven't heard it yet, but I won't even think I could get through reading the <laughs> the transcript of Jeff Howard's uh, interview today as he took the podium in Berea. Um, defensive backs coach, correct? I believe for the Browns. Uh, and yeah, passing uh, game coordinator. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. Passing game coordinator. Um, he is one of. Joe Woods' assistants, obviously. And uh, he basically muddled up his entire interview and said some ridiculous things to the case that, you know, not being prepared for, I don't even remember the guys' names, the the guys with the mullets uh, on uh, Cincinnati's receiving core <laughs> were harder to, to guard than Tyler Boyd and uh, 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 Higgins, right? So... And uh, that uh, his that adjustment, in fact, actually threw them for a loop. Uh, he <laughs> went on to say some 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 more ridiculous things and pointed the finger at some of his players, which was isn't always a great look at this point in the season. Um, I, for one, have been pretty vocal about my opinion about Joe Woods and Mike Prefer, and that you know I've seen enough. Right, you know, damage is done about. Two weeks ago, I said, there's really not much that they can do to save their jobs. Where do you come down on Joe Woods? It was, And you said off the air it was good that people heard this stuff from Jeff Howard? Yeah. Elaborate. Yeah, because the people need to know what, what is going on <laughs> with the team, right? Like, you know, we have all these questions. And without any answers or anything that we could point to, it's like, okay, this is what's going on. We're just going to make things up. That's how we end up in Miles Garrett goofy take land or, or oh, it's this guy or that guy or, or whatever it is. When the obvious answer is incompetence, but it's hard for us to see incompetence because these coaches that aren't the, the head coach aren't 
out there for the public, right? We can really only judge the head coach. Sure. And even then, it's a flawed picture of how we can view him. But do you get these passing game coordinators out here? You get these defensive coordinators out here. You have them start answering questions and you start to realize, okay, this is wild, right? And look, I don't know if it's a marker of incompetence as much as it is a failure of mindset that like that's how that's the takeaway from from this whole thing is that, hey, it got more difficult because T Higgins and Tyler Boyd weren't in the game. You know what I mean? Like it's just we need to know when things like that are going on with the team. So we as a fan base and as a media collaborate, right, can have a more focused ideal and a more productive idea of what actually is going wrong with the team. So we're not just throwing stuff at the wall and, in, 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 you know, in, in sometimes influencing bad decisions, right? Yeah. This is when you need this kind of transparency because now we know, okay, they got to go. Like, I don't know what else got to go, but I know that defensive side, it all got to go. Whatever happened down there, no way that could come back because that's a ridiculous answer. It is. Uh, it was ridiculous, and uh, he made a bit of a fool of himself, and it, it shows shines a light on a lot of what has been going on this year. So Joe Woods is, as far as I'm concerned, I think you agree, his time should be done. Now, so this, this kind of rolls, you know, uphill a little bit here if we're going to talk about this. Kevin Stefanski, there are people around town that will are calling for Stefanski's job. Uh, I am not one of them. I would like to see more uh, of Kevin. I do think he's a, a bright offensive mind. He hasn't had the best year by any stretch of the imagination. A very up and down season. But I would like to see more, uh, Quincy. Uh, where do you stand with Kevin? And do you have faith if you do if you are good with Kevin proceeding to 2023, do you have faith that he can make this decision on Joe Woods? Where I'm at with Kevin is one, if he can't make that Joe Woods decision and you know, that, that you're going to die on that hill, that's the hill that you're going to die on. I can't ride with you after that. Right. Like if that goes bad again and you decide to run that back, which predictably it will go bad again. I mean, like it's been three years. It's been the same story every, every year. Um, you know, I I can't ride with that, right? Like, that's a lesson that you're just going to have to learn by being fired, right? Because we can't continue to let that happen. Um, time's too precious. But yeah, anything outside of that, I feel like, unless this thing takes a dramatic turn, which it doesn't look like it's going to take, the offense seems to be looking like, okay, Deshaun's going to be back at some point. Um, the run game issues, look, I looked at the film. I think we need to appreciate sometimes that the Bengals are really good, right? I don't think we look at the Bengals as a team like that, but they went to the Super Bowl and they're going to get pretty close to going back again, if not going back this year. And they're really, really good. Like, I don't think we would have this reaction if this were the Chiefs. Well, this is a team that's beaten the Chiefs three times in a row, right? right? Like, like the reactions are disproportionate because we're used to beating Cincinnati, but that was just a circumstance, right? Now we're in the reality of it. And DJ Reader, oh my goodness. Yeah. Just destroyed the game plan. There was nothing the Browns could do. They had good calls in there. DJ Reader just made them bad calls. Like that just happens sometimes, right? Um, so we'll see what happens with the offense. Ultimately, he has these last four games to so also be judged on. If he finishes out four and two with Deshaun Watson, he'll be fine. And I predicted that's probably what he's going to finish out as. So I don't think there's anything to worry about. But if this does take a drastic turn, I mean, let's say he doesn't win a single game going forward and they end at what five and 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 whatever. Five wins, you're never safe at five or six wins, right? Seven, eight, 
eight, well, eight or nine, you're pretty safe at eight or nine. Yeah, uh, I agree. Now, you know, say he is hesitant to make this move with Joe Woods because I don't know. I, I, I don't think he should have been fired last year. I was okay with bringing Joe Woods back for one more year because they came on so. Did I get disconnected? Did he? Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Season, uh, come on of the defense that basically saves his job. And, you know, he the damage was done early enough in the year this year on the defense that I don't think it really matters down the stretch or did matter down the stretch. So my question is, does he get a nut? Like, it's his decision to make with, with his coaching staff, Prefer Woods. Do you think if he's hesitant that, like, Andrew Barry, Paul D. Podesta give him a nudge in the right direction? I think if he gets another year, he gets another year. He gets to do it how he wants to do it. But I think it's under the understanding that, hey, if these same problems erupt again, like, you're, you might be gone in the middle of the season, right? Like, you know, it's up to him whether he wants to get rid of his assistance because ultimately that's how he has to do his job, right? Like that's part of, he can, he has to control his staff. Um, but he, if he can't make the determination that maybe moving on and finding a new defensive coordinator would be productive for him, ultimately, if he makes that determination that that's not going to be what's helpful for him, he's allowed to do that. But if that doesn't end up being a productive decision, then he's going to be judged off of that decision, right? It's gotten to that point. The last couple of years, it was iffy, right? The first year that Joe Woods was bad, he had terrible personnel. They got decent personnel, came along in the second year, we felt good about it. Now the personnel's there, you're in year three. It stinks. Like, you know, um, there's really no reason to justify going forward with him. Um, And, you know... If that's what Kevin wants to do, if he wants to stay loyal, if he feels like Joe Woods is being put in a bad spot, all right, make the changes you feel like are necessary or make the changes that you don't feel like you need to make. But understand, you're going to be judged off of those changes. Um, Quincy, you mentioned the run game. And, uh, I, you know, a couple things from that, that I have seen. And, I, you know, I'm not a huge film breakdown guy. I never really claimed to be. But Wyatt Teller has struggled. He has been... Uh, not not great. He got paid, uh, and he has not been very good uh, this year. Here, as we're just showing on the screen, just for people watching, as you see his weekly grades, and it's progressively gotten worse throughout the year. Here, is he injured? In your opinion, do you think is that what's causing the play? Because it's been really, really bad lately. Yeah, it's been well. He missed those four weeks, right? And then he hasn't right. been the same. And you can see the game in which he got injured. He played a relatively normal game there, um, but sixty-four, which is slightly below what he does, and then it drops to like fifty-two, forty-two, fifty-nine. Like it, it doesn't even get to sixty after that point. So he is clearly hurt 
But I also think that his play wasn't as high going into it because he did have those dips where he was like, okay, sometimes he's the best guard in football. Sometimes he's just another guard. So, you know, Hmm. something's been up with him. I I feel like it has to do with the injury. He has a strong enough track record. We're talking about a former all pro here um, who has been pretty solid when he has gotten the opportunities to start. This isn't like a Baker Mayfield labrum situation where he's played this bad before the strong example. This is a guy who's been an all pro. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because his work and his career has kind of earned that. But, you know, we'll we'll see what happens next year with him. He's clearly going to be here. But, you know, it it, it is painful to see him out there like that. And if he has to continue to play hurt, I understand that he wants to finish. But if it is at all beneficial for him next year to get any rest off of that, and sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, then I would recommend it for him. Interesting. All right. Um, The other thing that I wanted to ask you about, you know, personnel-wise here, uh, is Denzel Ward. Obviously, this has been a topic of hot conversation, $100 million contract. Uh, he has had a, his worst year uh, yeah. of his career. The numbers are not pretty uh, from PFF. Uh, and uh, I don't really know how to feel about this. So, like, you know, I, I watched the Bengals game back, and I watched him pretty closely. I didn't think he played like, you know, I mean, he got a 41 I didn't think he passed coverage grade of, what, 42.9 in the Bengals game. I didn't think he was awful in the Bengals game, despite giving up all those catches to Chase. He he really did battle him for the most part and played some good coverage at times. I don't know if he if it garnered a 40-something. I'm not sure exactly where that, you know, I'd have to, you know, they do a uh, segment on PFF where they break down the grade. I'd like to hear that one, but uh, I don't know what to think of this is this just an outlier from ward is this a scheme issue what what do you make of his performance in 2022 i mean like i think part of it is the incompetence that we're seeing um with the defensive coaching sure i also think remember he missed a lot of camp because he broke his foot sure right and he hasn't really ever looked the same since that injury so i feel like he's probably still recovering from that we'll see um but i think it's been a combination of that scheme wise um you know they're they're not really putting him in a position to succeed and then he's had horrible safety play as well which has affected his decision making when he's on the line of scrimmage so um you know this is just a recipe for a bad year hopefully he bounces back next year um and he I would expect that he does, but yeah, it's not a good look right now. No, it's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, you expect the front office to look at it that way too, right? Like this is an outlier. We'll bring him back. Everything's cool. Like, you know, you see stuff out there about trading him and stuff like that. That's not a realistic uh, outcome in your, in your, uh, mind. Is it with trading Denzel? Yeah. I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's a realistic one, but if they can get a first and some change for him, I think they would deal him because they they, they have a surplus at that corner position. Yeah. It depends on who they bring in, right? But we have found out that putting a great corner, a boundary corner in the slot doesn't really make the slot corner any better. It's a different position. So Greg's going to have to play outside. Yeah. Martin's going to have to play outside. They're two outside yeah. corners. They're both really good. And they're cheap right now. Um, 
And if you can save money and get a first round pick from a surplus, you can't turn that down. Okay. That's very interesting. Uh, that's, that actually brings me to my next question. And you're watching all eyes on Cleveland, especially that's Quincy Carrier. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Quinn underscore C. And make sure you watch all of his YouTube videos at Quincy Carrier on YouTube. Um, we talked last time you were on. Uh, it was before the season. It was right before the season, I believe. And I started expressing to you my uh, distaste, I guess, for moving Greg inside. And you agreed somewhat, but kind of said, you know, we'll give a, we both kind of thought, yeah, it kind of makes sense in today's NFL because of the way they move around ones and two receivers into the slot, right? Like, so if you already got a premier guy in there, great. It's kind of forward thinking, but probably both agreed that it wasn't the best idea in the world after a rookie year where he looks great at outside corner. What do you do now? Do you, I mean, in the, in the we got three good corners if you consider Denzel a good corner, which I do, uh, despite this year. Um, but I love MJ Emerson. I wish the defense would just take on his mentality as a whole. I, I would love that, you know. Uh, and Greg Newsom, it didn't really work on the inside, or it hasn't been what they wanted it to be. Uh, he's definitely better, as you said, as an outside corner. Should getting a true nickel cornerback be on their list of things to do in the offseason sure yeah uh, it's not a hard thing to get though no. you know what i mean so yeah sure you, you should probably look at getting that um i mean that guy's probably gonna be a special team or two that should be on the list of things that you're looking for to get it's hard to determine what's going to be on the shopping list for this defense until we know who's going to be the defensive coordinator agreed too so agreed. you know that that's also going to factor in but yeah, probably. I think the next guy coming in, if there is a next guy, will probably put Greg Newsom back outside and then probably, you know, tr probably try to figure out what they can get from a true slot corner position and figure out what they can do with that surplus there. Yeah, yeah, they got to figure out. I mean, you can't. I don't want to take MJ Emerson off the field. I don't want to take any of those three guys off the field, really. So that's where you run into that surplus, what you're talking about there. So that'll be interesting to see how that uh, shakes itself out one way or another with, you know, hopefully the new defensive coordinator. Uh, what do you want to do at wide receiver, Quincy, in the offseason? Um, is this a something you would like to address in the draft? Is this something that you want to uh, – I mean, I mean, we don't expect them to spend big money in free agency, right? Just kind of plug some holes, I would think, um, and – how do you view this receiver room? They don't have a they don't have a burner really, right? Unless you consider Schwartz that still. I mean, where are you at with this receiver room? They're probably going to extend DPJ at some point, right? And there's probably maybe a restructure and extension on the books for Cooper. That's how I'm looking at it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say I would say Coop DPJ probably coming back next year. Maybe you look to add a third. Maybe Brandon Cooks is somebody you look at. Um, just so you can feel more comfortable going into empty, feeling like you have people who can beat man and zone. Um, you know, you, you just more like I always have this theory. There's never a such thing as too many good wide receivers you can have. They're kind of like pass rushers, right? We're learning this where you can just have as many as you want. It's fine. You know, it used to be there's only one ball and it would throw off guys and you know, all these like cockamamie theories about having too many wide receivers that is the, the most team the Bengals and the, and the chiefs have proven 
you can never have too many wide receivers. So I'm always for getting as many bodies in there as possible. I feel like they have the minimum amount of good wide receivers right now. They probably need to draft some people, and the draft's going to be important for them going forward, especially these mid to late rounds. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at that position. But I feel like they got the the, the tough stuff there. Maybe they get somebody on like a, a, on a cheaper deal who kind of just wants to play with Watson. Um, but – I don't think it's going to be a, a big name that they go after in free agency at that position. Yeah, um, I would wonder if they would spend, you know, one of their second or third. You think they would go that high with a draft pick at wide receiver? It just feels like the way the wide receiver market is, you're so much better off getting a guy on a rookie deal these days if he can play, right? Um, because, you know, the market has exploded. So, Well, it's, I, it's like that for the big name guys. For sure. the middle class, it hasn't really moved, right? Like okay. six to 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 eight million dollar veteran receiver is still kind of a thing, um, okay. and I think that's where the Browns are going to be kind of living. So, I mean, if if somebody like a Brandon Cooks decides, hey, I want to be back with Deshaun Watson, I had my best years with him, um, I like this system, I want to be here, I'm willing to take a mid level deal. Let's do it. Um, but I think, you know, they'll, they'll be very resourceful with their resources this offseason when it comes to that position. Okay. Because um, they, they got a lot. I mean, let's be real. They got lucky that they didn't find themselves in their wide receiver depth this year. They've been incredibly healthy at the position for the most part. Uh, as unlucky as they have been at linebacker, they've been rather lucky at wide receiver that they haven't found themselves in their depth there because that could have been rather problematic, I guess, is kind of how I look at it. Center, yeah. go ahead. Oh no, I was just I was agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, center. Uh, we, let's talk about center here real quick. Nick Harris coming back on his last year of his rookie deal here. Uh, you know, Nick. Har I was actually excited to see Nick Harris play this year. Right, like he spent all off season at the facility, changed his body. He looked huge. He looked, you know, every all. There's some good vibes around what he was going to do unfortunate injury ethan pochick 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 comes in uh pochich i don't really know how to say his name properly i say it different every time so it's okay uh ethan pochick comes in this is the pff they, pff had him as a projected extension for the browns at three years 17.25 million dollars 5.75 per year, 7.75 guaranteed. Is that realistic? It's pretty good if they can get it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it might be. I mean, like, it could end up being cheaper than that because he got hurt. Yeah. And then he he's pretty unproven outside of that. So you're signing off of, like, a stretch of games. I want to be surprised here if they could just get him on another one-year deal again. Yeah. Bring them both back. Yeah, and just bring them both back and just kind of run it back. See how it works out. Yeah, that that's an interesting uh, a place that I would, uh, you know, I, keep my eye on here. Okay, a uh, couple things here down the stash, Quincy, and real quickly, just so everybody can go check out uh, your. Uh, this is Quincy's, uh, uh, obviously his YouTube page. Go check it out at Quincy Carrier. Uh, it's fantastic, and you can follow him on Twitter at Quinn underscore C. Okay, real quickly here. Um, Defensive ta any defensive tackles on this roster you want to keep around? 
Perion Winfrey, maybe Taven Bryant. Okay. I think I've seen enough of Jordan Elliott. Yeah, I've too. seen enough of Tommy Togiai. Man, maybe Ben Stahl can stick around during camp. I like Ben Stahl. He's put together yeah. some stuff. Um, so, yeah, those three can stay. Everybody else got to go. Yeah, in a depth role only, though, right? You were talking two new starters at defensive tackle. Uh, no, I'm talking about, like, um, well, I mean, like, well, Ben Stahl would be like, hey, can he make the team next year? <laughs> like, yeah, but he yeah, can yeah, stick around yeah, in an yeah. off-team program. Perry yeah, on Winfrey needs to start eventually, right? Like, that that's right. somebody that needs to start for them. And he's played well the last couple of weeks. And honestly, when he's been on the field, most of the time, he's been fine. Yeah. Um, you know, um, Taven Bryant, I would like him as a rotational player. I want one more solid player. Now, I'm not a big, let's get a big name at defensive tackle guy. Just think you need another professional defense. Like, you don't need Deron sure. Payne. No. It would be nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, it would be nice. Yeah, it would be nice. You know what I mean? But you just need another, for like, you know, it would be nice if we could have the rotation back of having like a Larry Ogunjobi in there and then mm-hmm. a bigger body in there as well, right? Like situational D tackles. Spend the money on a couple of guys who can play in different situations rather than just one guy who's supposed to be who you're going to put all your eggs on, eggs in one basket on. So that's that's what I'm thinking there. I like that idea very much. Uh, all right. Quincy, uh, did we overvalue the talent on this Browns team, or is this just a misuse of talent? I think we underestimated. I think we underestimated the effect that um, not having um, a good defensive coordinator would have on a very talented defense. Sure. Um, and that caused us to overrate what we felt like this defense could be. I feel like the talent is the talent. Like, we've seen it where they've put it together just randomly in games and they've looked great. Um, The talent is there. They've proven it before. They're really good NFL football players, but we have underestimated the effect that one misstep early, the miscommunication, like those two miscommunications in Carolina are still haunting this defense to this day because everything that's resulting is, well, we got to fix this because this, and then this breaks because of that. And then that breaks because of this and this break. The, like the miscommunications that that small thing broke this whole defense because yep. the way we had to fix it completely broke this defense. Um, and, and we underestimated the ability for that to happen. Right. We felt like we have my, we felt like most teams, right. You have miles Garrett. We should be fine defensively. Yeah. Unfortunately, not the case. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. Unfortunately, um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you have a guy you like a lot that you think the Browns could get at DC? Um, I, I try to stay away from specific names because I feel like sure. that sets whoever gets hired here up for failure or, or kind of puts <laughs> up puts them yeah. on a, puts them against like a, a te- like when you're like I want you know Mike Prefer or whatever you're just gonna be judging that guy for not being Mike Prefer or whoever sure. it is you want it. Um, so I try to keep them open mind. I look up, I think about traits. When I talk yep. about defense coordinators, I think that's more important. What kind of traits, what kind of experience do you want? Um, 
and, and those things and the things I want for the Browns is I would love a former player. I think they need that perspective and that coaching staff. I think that would be very helpful. I think Stump's the only other former NFL veteran on the roster. I mean, there are former NFL players on the on the coaching staff, but they're not prominent players. There were guys yeah. who were like in the league for a cup of coffee. They need another guy like Stump on the defense. I think that will also help this team with evaluation. I think a lot of the reason that the defensive uh, tackle drafting has been bad is the the evaluation from the defensive line coaches have been bad about some of these prospects, um, and the recommendations have been horrible. Right? Um, you know, yeah. Bill Callahan, very good coach. Our offensive line picks tend to be very good. Um, you know, we flip it on the other side, and you know, it tends to not be good. Right? That's not a coincidence. So. You know, I, I want things like that. I want Miles Garrett to be maximized, right? I don't want to talk about how Miles Garrett's in a system that doesn't maximize his statistic potential like TJ Watt anymore. I want Miles Garrett to be maximized. I want him to be putting, I want him to be the primary focus of this defensive coordinator to put him in position to be successful. Um, whoever that is, we'll see. It could be somebody I know, it could be somebody I've never heard of, and they do a great job. Um, happens yeah. all the time in football, but. You know, that's why I focus on when I think about defensive coordinators. Philosophy traits. You like former player. I like that, too. That's interesting. So on the on the topic of former player, you know, the Browns are in win now mode, right? You expect this roster through free agency and the free agents they get is leadership become like a. Does leadership become a factor in who you uh, grab in the offseason? And do you think this roster gets older naturally here as they go to win now mode? Leadership is not something I take a lot of stock in, to be honest. Okay. Um, because I think the best leader is winning. Right. And when you win, you have great. Like everybody's a great leader when you win it, right? Carson Wentz sure. was a great leader when they were winning. <laughs> All of a sudden you start losing and they hate him, right? Baker Mayfield, right? 2020. What a leader Baker Mayfield was. 2022, nobody likes him. Not a single soul's right. Winning is the leadership and all the things that we attribute to leadership usually is just attributed to people who win a lot, right? If Tom Brady wasn't the most winningest quarterback when it comes to the Super Bowl of all time, we would not talk about him as a great leader. We would talk about him as a man, like we talk about Philip Rivers because he does the same stuff Philip Rivers does. Um, a lot of the stuff we attribute to leadership is just coincidental because it's around winning. Um, so I'm not a big leadership guy. Like, obviously you want adults, you want professionals, yeah. right? Um, people who are going to be responsible and, and do their job and show up on time and everything else like that. But in a professional environment, it's kind of up to the individual to do their job, right? Like it, it's not really, uh, a, a thing like in high school or in some amateur levels where it's like, Hey, the, the seniors got to pick you up and, and make sure you get guided in the right direction. These guys are professionals. Right. They should be expected to be able to handle their own responsibilities and be leaders in their own way um, here. Um, so, no, nah, I don't, I'm not, what's up? Maybe proven winner would be a better way to say it. Like, do you, I mean. I mean, John Johnson was a proven winner when he got here. It, it hasn't really yes. changed anything. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's about winning. Like, if you win games, you become a winner, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is not good, but he wins. That doesn't mean if you put him in any other team, he starts to win. Sure. So, you know, it, it's just 
it's about winning the games in front of you and put building the best roster together, right? If we start factoring in all these things that are trying to determine locker room factors and everything else, like obviously you want people who have personality fits with your locker room. Obviously yeah. you want people who are going to be good citizens in your locker room. Um, so you don't have to worry about any distractions, but outside of that, trying to build a roster based off of leadership tends to fall on his face because the way you lead is win games and the way you can build a roster that's going to be a great leadership roster is if you built the best roster possible because winning games creates great leadership right so you know that that's what it is right a bad team's going to be dysfunctional you sure. know the rams won the super bowl they look dysfunctional right now they weren't dysfunctional last year they were right. winning games so <laughs> it, it's really that right when you're not winning in the nfl then nobody's a great leader. There's no such thing as a great leader with a with a losing record. Um, Deshaun Watson. Two two more questions for you here. Okay, mm -hmm. anything you see from Deshaun Watson so far? Who I mean, week one it is what it was, right? Seven hundred days off. Week two. Uh, he looked much better and uh you know we're proceeding onwards that way and i think he'll be fine now anything you worry about with him and stefanski like is there anything that you see that doesn't fit like hey this may not work that stefanski wants to do with watson is it too early for that I think it's too early for that. And honestly, I haven't seen anything that didn't look like it worked um, mm -hmm. with him. I like, if anything, it's just Watson's not seeing the offense right now. I think it's right. more on him than it is on Kevin. The offense looks fine. I mean, they did a great job adapting to some of his strengths. You've seen the RPO stuff, the pistol stuff. Um, yeah, nothing has shown that like Kevin, like if this were like Kevin being stubborn, which that narrative is out there. I think it's a false one though, where it's like Kevin doesn't want to adjust the offense. The offense is clearly different with Deshaun Watson out there yeah. right now. Yeah. They're running different plays entirely. Um, and then when it comes to Nick Chubb, we're actually the same people are using that as like, oh, Deshaun's messing up the offense for Nick Chubb. But then also on one hand, they're not changing anything for Deshaun, right? Like you, these arguments don't tend to make sense, but um, when it comes to what Watson is able to do, I think he just needs to be able to, he needs, he looks like a quarterback in a new offense more than he looks like a rusty quarterback, right? He don't look that rusty to me. He just no. looks like a dude in a new system that needs to figure it out. Similar to what Jacoby Brissett looked like his first couple of weeks in Cleveland. Um, and we saw how well he got acclimated to that. So I think, you know, once he gets acclimated to the offense, things are right there. Guys are open. He'll be able to make plays. And guys were open against a very good defense in the Bengals. Not every team's going to be as good as the Bengals are and play as soundly as the Bengals are. So, yeah, I think I think I don't see the reason to panic about his fitness offense. I know that's been going around. But like for me personally, I felt very I, I didn't feel I didn't walk away with the same dread of losing after this game. Because I felt very confident and strong about like, oh, okay, we saw some good things when it comes to this offense with Watson. Sure. That's good. Um, by the way, you know, you mentioned two things you mentioned there. Jacoby Percet, take a victory lap, sir. You uh, called that one uh, it, remarkably uh, as you were on the show last time. And, uh, and I'm sure you did it on your own show as well. But uh, you nailed that one. He was terrific and went uh, – 
you know, Cleveland legend on us with only four wins. So pretty remarkable job from him. Uh, Top five Browns quarterback of all time. Well, since 99. Yeah, man. Crazy. (laughs) Remarkable. And, and it's such an, uh, uh, a lovable guy to, uh, you know, a, a lovable guy on a not so lovable team. So, you know, he probably played himself. You think he gets a starting job somewhere? It's interesting, right? Because he did exactly what I thought he would do. And the thing that I didn't anticipate was like the win-loss record would be what it is. That's going to be the biggest inhibitor for him, right? Right. Is that the win-loss record is never good with him. But he's always solid. And it's not his fault. He's kind of the anti-Jimmy Garoppolo when you think about it. Because, like, (laughs) Jimmy's going to get all the opportunities in the world because of that win-loss record. Despite the fact that his play does not indicate that he deserves it. But Jacoby's going to get all the doubt in the world because of that win-loss record. Despite the fact that his numbers are really good for a journeyman quarterback. Like, you look at other journeyman guys, that touchdown-interception ratio is not what Jacoby's is. Um, and that's what you want out of a journeyman quarterback. Like, I think he is the best journeyman prospect in the NFL when it comes to what you want from a backup, what you want from a, a low-level starter. Like, I would assume he would be somebody the 49ers should try to get in their camp and, and yeah. start, right? Yeah. Because this is the type of dude that can do that, literally in the same system that you run out there. So, um, you know, I would think he does, but... I also wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't because like that just seems to be how things have gone for Jacoby. This is not the first time he's played well and gotten no credit for it. It's messed up, man. It's messed up. I, you know, I, I didn't see it before, but I mean, he's the real deal, man. I mean, he threw great balls. He may played. I mean, he couldn't have asked for much better play from him. And uh, you got to think that somebody would look at him like the ideal bridge quarterback for a couple of years. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, it's interesting though. Uh, all right. Finally here, besides Deshaun Watson, Quincy, what is, what else will you be watching? What other thing player aspect of the Browns will you be watching the most in the final four games? I want to see improvement from Perry on Winfrey. I want to see him get more snaps because what I've seen the last couple of weeks have been promising from him. Um, It seems like he has turned a corner and he's becoming a guy that I really liked coming out of the draft. I thought he was a second round prospect, um, to be honest, a second round talent at least. Um, So I want to see the production out of him. Well, not even production, just the continuing to have good film out there. Um, Also, I want to see – I want to see – the connection that we've seen with DPJ and Deshaun Watson early in this uh, run continue, but I also want to see it start with more guys. Like I want to see it happen with David Bell. I want to see it happen with Amari Cooper. I want to see that chemistry start to build. I want to see positive steps onto next year. Obviously you want to see wins going forward, but that's what you're looking at is think about this. Think about it like this Browns fans. And this is a different perspective, but this is the exact situation that you're in. Imagine that Deshaun Watson was like the number one pick in the draft. And he was a rookie coming in and getting his start the last six games of the year and how that would change how you would view this season. Right. That's exactly what this situation is, except for instead of a first pick in the draft, he's a former all pro quarterback who once led the league in passing yards and um, is very good or has demonstrated himself already to be very good at the position at the NFL level. So 
That's what you want. You want positive steps, right? The worst thing that can happen is a situation that results in Kevin Stefanski being fired because that tells you that things went wrong in the wrong direction. You want things going in the right direction. You want continuity in the offseason, and you want to be able to just clean the the fine details, right? You don't want Deshaun Watson learning his third offense in like three years coming off a 700-day layoff. Like that's just not a recipe for success. Right. Agreed. Uh, well said. I lied. One more question. Uh, Nick Chubb, you mentioned him a couple minutes ago. I've noticed, you know, teams are, once again, not tape guru here, but teams appear to be taking away the cutback lane from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems to be struggling with that. Are you concerned? With Nick Chubb? No, nah, I'm pretty sure he'll figure out a way to adapt or the, or the Browns will adapt to it, right? Like, I think part of it is just like, hey, let Deshaun cook a little bit. All of a sudden, they're going to have to ease off off them cutback lanes because they're going to have to play things differently. So that's up to the Browns to figure that out. I think that's also up to Nick Chubb. Sometimes Nick Chubb would do better to just take what's in front of him instead yeah. of trying to see um, things that aren't necessarily there but that he can manipulate there. I also think it's interesting – what the chemistry could be between both Deshaun and Nick Chubb, because they both have that vision where they can cut against the grain and see things very well. That could lead to very good things going forward. So I wouldn't be worried about Nick Chubb. Um, You know, uh, I think last week was just DJ reader running amok on everything, to be honest with you more so than it was like bad offensive line play. And it wasn't great offensive line play because again, DJ reader went off on you, but it was, it it was great defensive tackle play. I'll tell you that. Like, like watching the tape, I was like, "Oh, this DJ Reader is for real." Like that was great defensive tackle play. Um, more so than it was like terrible offensive line play. Not good offensive line play. It wasn't good, but it wasn't it wasn't not good just because they were playing bad. It was like DJ Reader definitely had an impact on that. Fantastic. Uh, Quincy Carrier. Go check out all of his YouTube uh, videos at Quincy. Uh, and we appreciate you taking the time out to visit us again. Uh, big fan. Have appreciate a good one, you. sir. You too, man. All right. With that, for Quincy, for Mikey behind the virtual glass, we are out.